Today's scripture text comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, beginning with the 36th verse. While they were talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and terrified and thought they were seeing a ghost. He said to them, Why are you frightened and why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet. See that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. While in their joy they were disbelieving and still wondering, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate in their presence. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be in the spirit of prayer with me. Holy One, we inch forward in complete surrender today, hoping to hear a word for our lives. Open our minds and hearts and ears to hear what you would have us to hear, and give us grace to accept with deep peace the things that cannot be changed, courage to change the things which can be changed, and the wisdom to distinguish the one from the other. Amen. You are witnesses of these things, Jesus says. We certainly are, Jesus. Thanks for the reminder. And I have a feeling that we need to be reminded of this and often. In a world where bad news gets more press than good news, we need a lot of proof of the good stuff. Facts, data, research, those things aren't changing minds anymore. We need to experience things for ourselves. And it appears that not even the disciples who had Jesus right in front of them had open minds either. W-T-F. That's what they were thinking instead as they awkwardly passed him a piece of fish at the first breakfast. W-T-F could be considered an offensive thing to say in church. I get that. But nothing else really seems to capture the overall surprise and disbelieving feeling that I imagine the disciples had after the resurrection. Can you 
Imagine it. They followed this charismatic leader for three years and they traveled together and they welcomed crowds together and they camped out together and they ate together and drank together and laughed together. They watched a rabbi gather thousands of people to teach and heal them. And then they watched an exciting, growing movement crumble right in front of their eyes. The cross looked like a failed mission to them. And so they hid behind locked doors in their fresh, raw grief. Can we blame them? The disciples were there discussing how Jesus was showing up unexpectedly with people when unexpectedly he showed up with them. We can guess how freaked out they were by that. They touched his scars and he ate fish in front of them. WTF. For the disciples and for us, there is this level of confusion when we encounter resurrection. What does this mean? How do we know what's real anymore? How does this shape who I am? What do we do with this new information? WTF. What's the future? When we talk about resurrection, we often struggle to be in the moment. Resurrection has this tendency to be less of a present reality than a claim about something that happened in the past or about a future assurance. I suspect there are a lot of reasons as to why it is so difficult to witness the resurrection in the here and now. One reason being that there's this heart-breaking truth that life is lived in the shadow of death. Death is coming for us, whether we like it or not. This makes death far more reliable than resurrection. As the preacher Anna Carter Florence says, if dead people don't even stay dead, what is there to count on? (laughs) I also suspect that new life here and now is hard to see because of the deep fear we humans live with daily. And what is it that we fear? At our core level, we fear rejection. We are afraid that resurrection has, is, or will pass us by. We suspect that resurrection happens to other, more spiritual people, not to me. We question if we are worthy of such an experience. So instead of risking being disappointed of missing it, we close our minds to it. We convince ourselves that we are just fine with life as it is because, good Lord, if the resurrection is true, then there goes life as we know it. So much more stable to be fixed on rejection reality than on resurrection reality. But what I love about the gospel narrative is that it meets us right where we are. We are in good company when it comes to these fears. Why are you frightened? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Jesus asks us, probably with a smirk on his face. The feelings the disciples expressed when encountered with resurrection reality were a mixture of joy, disbelief, and wonder. Yep. Sounds about right. I imagine they looked back and said, huh, maybe the testimony of our women at the tomb was true. 
Joanna, Mary Magdalene, and Mary, mother of James, witnessed the resurrection first and returned to their male disciples to tell them what they had seen and heard. And how did the disciples respond? They concluded that these women, women that they knew well, by the way, were telling an idle tale. In Greek, the word for an idle tale is better translated as, you guessed it, BS. Way to keep the sermon G-rated, Heather. My hunch is that these women knew full well what their men would say about them. Just like many modern-day women, they knew that they wouldn't be taken seriously, that they would be dismissed, that their word would be considered gossip or not intellectual enough, or that they were overreacting. Knowing that they would not be believed, the the, the women at the tomb told their beloved men what they witnessed anyway. And good thing they did. Because without their testimony, we would not know resurrection today. Their testimony, matched with their male counterpart stories, firmed up this new world. Mark my words, these women at the tomb were the very first preachers of this good news. The topic of witnessing continued to be a theme at the summit that I attended last week at the national setting of the United Church of Christ. Leaders across the denomination were asked to reimagine theological formation. The task given to us was to explore how we could build new platforms for theological formation for the people in our own contexts. This is fancy talk for how do we keep this Jesus movement going. Now, in the 20th century, Sunday school and Bible study were enough to form people's faith from the cradle to the grave. But in today's day, where church numbers are declining at a rapid rate, we need more pathways to form our understanding of who God is and how this faith in Jesus Christ continues to live in us. This theological summit was no vacation. Plus, it was held in Cleveland, so it was no vacation. (laughs) It was gray for three days straight. This summit was heavy lifting. Heavy lifting to engage in diverse conversations about what theological formation could look like in the 21st century, whether it was in worship or on social media, the local church, the wider community, in social justice, and yes, in Bible study, I'm thinking we need more testimony in the UCC, one African-American pastor expressed in our small group. The facilitator of this small group that I was in was David Greenhaw, who is the president of Eden Theological Seminary in St. Louis. He quietly reminded us that as Christians, the resurrection is central to our story, and so yes, As resurrection people, we must continue to bear witness to this. And to bear witness means to see God's new world in our midst, here and now. But that's not enough. We must also share with people what we've experienced, even if no one will believe us. Witnessing to resurrection reality not only helps form faith, but also has the potential and power to recover our lives. Consider 12-step groups like Alcoholics Anonymous. Their main, main modes of recovery is confession 
and testimony. Hi, my name is blank, and I'm an alcoholic. Here's my experience. Telling one's story in recovery validates both the one who is telling it and the one who is listening, and both of them connect over what is troubling them. It models the strength that it takes to stay sober, and it opens up a new world to the promise of hope for the hopeless, joy for the despairing, and companionship for the lonely. For recovering addicts and for us, it is important to remember that we do not witness alone. Now, I love the fact that the words witness and wonder are found in our church's vision statement because they are also a part of the resurrection story. And since the idea of witnessing can come with some heavy Christian baggage with it, I feel like we need to reclaim what it means for us and ask ourselves if we are actually doing it. Do we believe that God's resurrection reality is present in our daily lives? If so, how is it being revealed to us? And who are we telling about this reality? Perhaps you are someone who doesn't know what to look for. And if that's the case, I encourage you to begin to remember. Remember the times in your life when your mind was open and your heart was softened and your body activated. When were you brought to tears by beauty? When have you offered someone forgiveness? When have you received a portion of grace? When has the possibility of a new world been revealed to you? In those times, my friends, you were a witness. But don't stay there. Jesus does not say you were or you will be, but he says you are witnesses to these things. And I have a feeling that Jesus takes that very seriously. The act of witnessing is a state of being, and being is always present tense. To witness means that we show up to life. We are witnesses does not depend on our acceptance or agreement or approval. We are witnesses does not depend on our readiness or recognition or responsiveness. We are witnesses just is, and that is good news. Left to our own devices, we would make up excuses and negotiate our own worth to have such sacred encounters. We'd go back to convincing ourselves that we just aren't qualified. So rather than continue to cling to that old rejection reality, why not try on this new resurrection reality? As our 12-step friends say, fake it till you make it. Who knows? Maybe then we might find that witnessing is not an intermittent activity of faith. It's not something we do one day and then resolve to take the next day off. It's constant. It's a way of life. It is who we are. We are witnesses. Resurrection reality is happening today. So get used to it, people. Open your minds to this new reality. Bear witness to the snow on Pike's Peak in mid-April. Bear witness to the baby's fingers and toes of the formerly infertile couple. Bear witness to the generosity of a grieving widow. Bear witness to the smile of a chronically depressed teenager. 
Bear witness to the sweetness of a blackberry in the beginning of spring. Bear witness to a female preacher in a historic church where it was beyond possibility when its cornerstone was laid. Bear witness to these seemingly ordinary things of life. And then find someone that you trust and share what you've witnessed. And then sit together in wonder together. What is the future? Jesus knows our, re- our rejection reality as well as his own resurrection reality. He knows that we need a daily reminder of who we really are, resurrection people. And thankfully, we do not witness alone as we sit out here amongst a community of fellow believers. You are witnesses to these things. My beloveds, nothing is truer here and now in this moment. So remind yourselves, our lives on every level are in desperate need of resurrection witnesses just like you in this life, in your daily lives, for the sake of life. May it be so. Amen.